0: The Draper Mansion, uptown on Madison Avenue at 40th Street, exuded the new glow of electric light on the festive night of November 15th, 1882. The National Academy of Sciences was meeting that week in New York City, and Dr. and Mrs. Henry Draper had invited some 40 of its members to dinner. While the usual gaslight illuminated the home's exterior, Novel Edison incandescent lamps burned within, some afloat in bowls of water, for the amusement of the guests at table. Thomas Edison himself sat among them. He had met the Drapers years ago, on a camping trip in the Wyoming Territory, to witness the total solar eclipse of July 29, 1878. During that memorable interlude of midday darkness— as Mr. Edison and Dr. Draper executed their planned observations, Mrs. Draper had dutifully called out the seconds of totality, a hundred and sixty-five in all, for the benefit of the entire expedition party from inside a tent, where she remained secluded, blind to the spectacle, lest the sight of it unnerve her and cause her to lose count. The red-haired Mrs. Draper, an heiress and a renowned hostess, Surveyed her electrified salon with satisfaction. Not even Chester Arthur in the White House lighted his dinner parties with electricity. Nor could the president attract a more impressive assembly of science's luminaries. Here she welcomed the well known zoologists Alexander Agassiz, down from Cambridge, Massachusetts, and Spencer Baird, up from the Smithsonian Institution in Washington. She introduced her family friend, Whitelaw Reed of the New York Tribune, to Asaph Hall, world famous for his discovery of Mars's two moons, and to solar expert Samuel Langley, as well as to the directors of every prominent observatory on the eastern seaboard. No astronomer in the country could refuse an invitation to the home of Henry Draper. It was her home, in fact, her childhood home built by her late father, the railroad and real estate magnate, Cortlandt Palmer, long before the neighborhood became fashionable. Now she made certain the house suited Henry as perfectly as she did, with its entire third floor converted into his machine workshop, and the loft over the stable repurposed as his chemical laboratory, which he reached via a covered walkway connected to the dwelling. She had barely heeded the stars before meeting Henry, any more than she regarded grains of sand at the shore. He was the one who pointed out to her their subtle colors and differences in brightness, even as he whispered his dream of abjuring medicine for astronomy. If she feigned interest at first to please him, she had long since found her own passion and proved a willing partner in observation as in marriage. How many nights had she knelt by his side in the cold and dark, spreading foul-smelling emulsion on the glass photographic plates he used with his handcrafted telescopes? A glance at Henry's plate confirmed he had not touched the banquet fare. He was fighting a cold, or perhaps it was pneumonia. A few weeks earlier, while he and his old Union Army pals were hunting in the Rocky Mountains, a blizzard had struck and stranded them above the timber line, far from shelter. The chill and exhaustion of that exposure still plagued Henry. He looked terrible, as though suddenly an old man at 45. Yet he continued chatting amiably with the company, explaining anew each time anyone asked how he had generated steady current for the Edison lamps from his own gas-powered dynamo.